In James chapter 4, James writes, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter into mourning, your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and in turn, He will lift you up. And that is the focus of my message this morning. We're going to take a a break from our series on discipleship and the four words um, to focus in this morning on humbling ourselves before the Lord and really to talk about this upcoming week and why we are, as a congregation, entering into a week of fasting and prayer And hopefully, this will draw us together in purpose for what God wants to do in this week. But but very clearly here, James is, is telling his readers that there is a need for humility within the church. Now, historically, those people who had had come into religious leadership were sort of... uh, posturing themselves as better than those whom they were leading. And Jesus, of course, called attention to that. He spoke against the Pharisees and the Sadducees in many instances. And James is saying that the true way to get God to lift us up is to take a proper approach to understanding who we are in comparison to who he is. We need to humble ourselves. Now, humility is a basic recognition of who we are. Recognizing uh, ourselves as not better than we are or worse than we are. There's this constant tension that exists for us as Christians between the need for regular and routine repentance, understanding that we often fall short of the glory of God and we need to repent of what we have done, what we are doing. We need to change our way. But also recognizing that in the midst of our lives as Christians, God has done some amazing things. As I read out of Ephesians uh, chapter 1 in the call to worship this morning, God has done some incredible things for us. He has positioned us in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We are called sons and daughters of God. John said, Behold, what love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the sons and the daughters of God. So there's this tension between our need to repent the recognition that sometimes we fall short of the the mark of God and that we're not living our lives as God intends us to. And that reality that God has created us as new creations in Christ Jesus. So humility is all about recognizing who we are in Christ and walking in a fashion that honors that, that honors what God has done in our lives. Now, there is a tendency sometimes 
for us because of experiencing the goodness and the grace of God to take advantage of that. To live as though God will forgive us no matter what. Which, in fact, is true. God will forgive us no matter what. But because grace abounds, because God's goodness towards us is overflowing, Paul says, does that mean that we should go and sin without uh, care? He says, God forbid. How can we who have been saved from sin continue in sin? So humility, again, is a walk with God that recognizes His goodness, His grace, His awesome, mighty power, and recognizes what He has done in us and is doing through us, but at the same time does not think more highly of ourselves than we ought. So that's what James is saying. Humble yourselves. Put yourselves in the proper position before the Lord, recognizing what he has done for you, but also recognizing that you need to walk in honor of what he has done for you. And as you do that, James promises that he will lift you up. So that's what we are beginning to enter into, church, this upcoming week. We are entering into a week of humbling ourselves before the Lord, a week of prayer and of fasting before him. Now, I want to take you back a little bit to why we are doing this and bring you into some of the thought process and so forth that I have gone through to to arrive at this point. Last March, I went to a pastor conference with with Chris down in Arizona, and God spoke to to both Chris and I very powerfully. But for me, the word that I received from the Lord at that pastor's conference was very clear, and it was very much for this church and the work that God wants to do in this church in the days, weeks, and months that lie ahead. And very specifically, God spoke to me out of Matthew chapter 9 about the new wineskins. That you don't pour new wine into old wineskins, but that God wants to make us into new wineskins in order to do a new work through us. I'm going to read the passage for you. So God is speaking this to me about community church. He is saying that I want to do a work through community church through the congregation there. But I am going to need to create a new wineskin in the church in order to do this work. Jesus said, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and thus both are preserved. So this is the passage that God gave to me, that he was going to do a, a new thing through community church, and that he was going to be preparing us for this new work. And I didn't know exactly what that meant. But I understood what he was saying to me. Since that time, God has begun to do that work. He has financially 
repositioned us as a church. And you, got, you guys all know that. We've had to readjust our budget. We've had to refocus how we're utilizing our resources. It was a tightening up, literally. And I think that that has been a good thing because it has caused us as a church, as um, staff in the church, but also I think as people who are the heart of the church, you, understanding what your role is in supporting the church financially and the work of God in the kingdom of God here in Gunnison through Community Church, that you have a very important role to play in that. We talked a lot about giving of our time and of our talent and of our treasure. And so God has already begun the, the work of creating a new wineskin in us. But in the verses right before this passage on the, the new wineskin, John's disciples came to Jesus and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus answered them, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. And then he follows with the teaching on the new wineskins. So the context here is very specifically about fasting in preparation for a new work that God wants to do. Now, when I, when I talk about fasting, it, for some of you, it's very, very familiar. You fast already. That's a part of your spiritual walk with the Lord. Others of you are like fasting Oof, what's he talking about? I thought fasting was for the Old Testament. Well, very clearly here, Jesus said that when I'm taken away, then my disciples will fast. And in fact, earlier in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking about a variety of things in the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about uh, loving our enemies, giving to the needy, prayer, treasures in heaven, not worrying. And right in the middle of that, literally sandwiched in the middle of that is this passage. When you fast. Not if you fast, but when you fast. Don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, Wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, that connects us to the verse there in James chapter 4, verse 10, where James said, at the proper time, God will lift you up if you humble yourselves before him. So Jesus said, the Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, this is this morning is... Definitely not intended to be an in-depth study of the discipline of fasting. I'm just trying to hit some of the high points for you. But, but the reality is, is Jesus expected his disciples to fast. And that in context, there is a blessing, a benefit that emerges from our fasting. Jesus said the Father will reward us. Jesus said new wineskins will be created. James said at the proper time, the Lord will lift you up. 
So we're entering into this week of fasting and prayer in response to what the Lord had spoken into my heart back in March about a desire to create new wineskins in this church. Now that is not to say, and I do not want you to uh, feel as though anything is particularly wrong. It's just that God wants to do a new thing. Do you get that? It's not necessarily that anything has been wrong in this church, that anything that you are doing is necessarily wrong, although it could be that God wants to speak and to redirect some of us. But it's that he wants to do a new thing, and he needs new wineskins within which he can pour his spirit out. We'll talk about that in a moment. So, fasting. Very clearly, throughout the New Testament, there are examples of people fasting. In Acts chapter 13, Paul and his companions are fasting, seeking the Lord. And in response, the Lord speaks to them and says, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work unto which I have called them. So he responded to them. He rewarded them with an answer to their prayers. There is that passage in in Mark chapter 9 where the disciples had been trying to cast out a demon from a young boy. And Jesus came down from from the mountaintop with Peter, James, and John, and and he was confronted with this demon-possessed boy. And the father said, I've been trying to get this demon out of here, but your disciples can't do it. And Jesus responded and said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? And then he cast the demon out. And then the disciples asked him, Lord, how come we could not cast it out? What was wrong? We did all of the things that you had showed us to do. In fact, the disciples had had some success earlier in casting out demonic forces. And Jesus responded to them with this very, very important statement. He said, this kind goes out or goes forth only by prayer and by fasting. So there is a connection between prayer and fasting and the power of God to accomplish the work that needs to be done against the forces of evil. Now, over the past several weeks, I have been involved in many of your lives, and I know the struggles you're having. Some of those struggles are financial. Some of those struggles are physical. Some of those struggles are are trauma-based. Some of those struggles are based upon opposition that you are receiving from others. I mean, I can't tell you over the course of the last two months how many times I have just cried out to God because I'm, I'm like, Lord, what can we do about this? These people are struggling. They're having difficult times. What's going on? It just seems to be a, 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 a wave of opposition and struggle coming into the lives of our congregation. And I believe it to be the forces of darkness opposing what Satan knows is a work of God that he is preparing to do in this congregation. Satan has access to God's throne room. We know that through the book of Job. Satan is not fully aware of what God is doing, but Satan has been around for a while. He understands that 
when God is beginning to do a work, the best thing that he can do is to try to uproot it before it gets going. God has spoken to me that he wants to do a new work through this congregation. Satan is aware of that, and he is opposing it. And so we need to not be ignorant of what Satan is doing in our lives. We need to do battle against that and move into the field of victory that God would have us to walk into. And part of that is this week of fasting and prayer. We are doing what Jesus said. We are beginning to fast and to pray so that we are in a position to take authority over the forces of darkness in our lives and in our community. I'm just speaking to you from my heart. I'm speaking to you from what God has spoken to me. I'm not trying to freak you out. I really am not. This is real life. As I said during the offering, Christianity, it's full contact, folks. It's not flag football. It's full contact. But God has given us everything, it says in the Bible, that pertains to life and to godliness. In other words, we do not lack any tool that we need to gain victory in our lives and in our church, church's ministry to our community. God's given us everything, but we just have to avail ourselves of that. So stepping into fasting, stepping into fasting this week, I understand and recognize that there's a wide array of experience in this church with regards to this topic. So what I want to suggest to you with regards to fasting is that the purpose of fasting is to help us to put aside, focus on the physical and the material for whatever specific period of time that, that you choose and in whatever specific way you choose so that you can focus on the spiritual things the unseen things. Eric Vogt texted me this scripture this week, and it was a confirmation to me because it was something that I wanted to use this morning. And Eric did not know when he texted it to me that this was a part of what I wanted to say. So I definitely feel like this is something for you with regards to the purpose of fasting. He says, verse 16 of chapter 4, 2 Corinthians, Therefore, we do not lose heart. All those things that are going on in your life, the the physical struggles, the financial difficulties, the relationship challenges, we do not lose heart, church. Though outwardly we may be wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, and here's the important part for this upcoming week. So, we fix our eyes on what is, not what is seen, but on what is unseen. 
since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So as we move into this week of prayer and fasting, the focus of our eyes turns away from the things that are seen, from the things that we can touch, taste, feel, experience, and moves into a focus on the unseen. Typically, that is done by restraining or abstaining from food or drink. But it's not uniquely so. There are other ways to fast. And I would suggest to you, as you move into this week, that you determine three different things as you go into this. First, what are you going to fast from? Will you fast from food and water? Will you fast from uh, an activity? And it's not necessarily, in fact, probably shouldn't be a sinful activity. If, if it's a sinful activity, you should be fasting from that already. <laughs> it's just something that is, is, is focused more on the material physical than it is the spiritual. So it might be video games. It might be Facebook. It might be television. It might be reading magazines. I don't know. That's something that you have to determine between you and God. But it's something that you will abstain from for this week. Now, that leads us to the second thing that you have to determine. How long will you abstain from it? Because you need to decide that going in. Don't just sort of say, well, I'm going to abstain and we'll see how far it goes. Not wise. You say, I'm going to abstain from one, one meal. And I'm going to abstain from Wednesday's lunch. And I'm going to come into the church and pray with everybody. Great. Awesome. Or perhaps you'll say, I'm going to abstain from food for a day. Now, some of you may have physical conditions where abstaining from food and drink is ill-advised. You would be better served to abstain from something more in the activity uh, arena. I don't want to encourage anybody to abstain from something that could physically harm them. So decide what you're going to abstain from, how long you are going to abstain from it, because here's, here's the reality. You will be tempted. You will be tempted. Satan will tell you, okay, come on, really? Three meals? What's the big deal if you eat dinner tonight? Because you have determined, I'm going to fast breakfast, lunch, and dinner on Monday. And Satan's going to be in your ear, I will tell you, and he's going to be saying, come on, you can have that snack. And if you have set in, 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 in stone initially what your, your time frame is, then you know that that's temptation. You know that that is something that you have to trust God on and you have to, you have to battle through. So set, a time, or set in, in, in stone what you're going to fast from. Set in stone how long you are going to do that fast sometime during the week. And then finally, during that time, very specifically focus on spiritual activity, prayer, Bible reading, meditation, whatever God leads you to do. Because again, the focus goes from the seen to the unseen, right? So you need to spend some time during that fast Focusing on the unseen. Praying to God. 
reading His Word, listening, meditating, helping yourself to hear what He is saying to you. Now, I've talked to you a little bit about why we're doing this, because I believe this is a continuation of the the word that God gave me back in March. But it's not just that. Connected to that is the, the reality that fasting affords us, as I said earlier, spiritual power. And some of you need to break through. Some of you need to break through. You're stuck in a spiritual rut. God has not spoken to you, or at least you have not been able to hear him. Those oppositional forces are against you, and they seem to be overwhelming you. You need to break through. You need God to be for you what he was for David there in 1 Chronicles 14, where David was opposing the Philistines. And he said, God, should I go up against the Philistines? And God said, go, for you will be victorious. And David did. And and God gave him victory. And David called God the God of the breakthrough because he has broke through my enemies. He has given me the power I need to achieve victory. For David, it was over the Philistines. For you, I don't know what it might be, but God wants to give you victory. And this will help you. He also wants this congregation to unify. He wants us to join together in the Spirit, in the focus of reaching our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the love of God conveying the power of the Spirit in our lives. We need to look different, church, than everybody else out there because we are different. The Spirit of the living God indwells us and empowers us. And if that doesn't make us look any different than everyone else out there who does not know Jesus Christ, who does not have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, then something's wrong. Finally, we are praying and fasting because it opens up all kinds of opportunity for God to pour out His Spirit upon us, to empower us in ways that we never envisioned possible. Sometimes, as Christians, we get into boxes, literally. I mean, we don't move out of this little square that defines how we live our lives as Christians. I'm comfortable right here, God. This is where I want to be, and this is how I can serve you. And God's saying, no, i got way more for you over here. You need to step out. You need to do something different than you've ever done before. And as you take that step of faith, God is still here. God is working. He's empowered me to do something I never thought I could do. Prayer and fasting opens up that opportunity for a relational experience with the Holy Spirit that you've never heretofore No. So that's why we're doing it, church. 
I'm trying to be faithful to the word God gave to me, and I believe it is an opportunity for us to unify, to be empowered, both personally and congregationally, and to impact our community for Christ. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what we are entering into. I pray that your Holy Spirit would, in fact, do exactly that, that you would just pour out your Spirit upon each and every soul here this morning, each and every soul hearing my voice on the radio, Lord, that they would get out of that box of comfortable Christianity and step into the, the walk of discipleship. That Jesus, you said what happened after you left when the bridegroom was taken away, that we would fast, that we would put ourselves into a position of reliance upon you to give us the power we need to gain victory. Lord, have your way in us and among us. In Jesus' name, amen.